Well, hey, seriously, though, I just want to say happy Easter to everybody. Thank you. And today, my greatest desire is that every single person in this place would not leave without fully understanding the concept of grace. And my hope is, is that maybe some of you actually would even experience it maybe for the first time today in your life. Because Easter, folks, is all about grace. It's all about God's amazing love just for the person who's sitting in your chair. And so uh, before we dive in, let's have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you so much for Easter. And we thank you for each person who's in this gym. It's not by chance or coincidence that they're here today. But you have brought them through your spirit to hear from you. And that's my greatest desire, God, that they would hear from you. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, that we celebrate today. That he is not dead, but that he's risen. And he gives us amazing grace. May that grace, God, penetrate into every heart in this gymnasium today. So that your name would be made great. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the teaching today is going to be pretty interactive, so one item that you'll need is this. And so if you pull this out of your program, uh, that would be great. If you did not get one, just raise your hand, and our greeters are right there. Uh, you, don't be embarrassed. Um, I forget things all the time, okay? So just raise your hand, and uh, they'll come up, and they'll give you something. But it's kind of like an admission ticket. And you, well, no, it's better than that. It's like last night I went to Pizza King and I didn't have my uh, ID and I gave them my credit card and they said, it says CID and I didn't have it. Okay. So you want to have this because they won't give you your pizza. They won't. They really won't. So have this together. Okay. And you'll need something to write with. Uh, There's pins in front of you or they were on your seat uh, when you walked in. Now, at the top of this is the name of the song, Amazing Grace. And on the left-hand side there is uh, the person who wrote it, a guy by the name of John Newton. And he wrote it in 19, or in 19, that would have been, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Um, John Newton, 1779. Now, right across from that is a blank signature line. And what I'd like you to do is to write your full name there. So like your proper name. So like for me, it would be Christopher John Bunch. And I've been thinking about it from now on. I want you all to talk to me just like that. I want you to address me as Christopher John Bunch. Okay? So if you can do that, write your full name right there. That will help. And some of you uh, come from an era in which you don't even know what a hymn is. You've never, uh, uh, you know, seen song music. So I'm going to try to help you a little bit. Uh, and what I'd like you to do, at, before the words begin, in that little margin there on the left-hand side, I'd like you to write numbers, one, two, three, okay? That will kind of help you as we go through uh, our time today. So just one, and then two, and three. And this will kind of help us keep track as I'm talking about things so that uh, you know where you're going. Okay? 
Are we all good with that? Okay. Well, the song Amazing Grace is probably the most popular song in the entire world. It's very appreciated by people from all faiths and all understandings. It's celebrating this year its 236th birthday uh, since it was actually written. And it's still sung by tens of millions of people in multiple languages in every continent. Now, does anybody know who this is? Someone's Googling it right now, aren't they? They just took a picture. It's Joan Baez, okay? And in 1969, at Woodstock, Joan Baez uh, sang this song, Amazing Grace. But she wasn't the only one. You know this guy. His name's underneath, right? Like you had to get it right. No, Elvis sang it too. And Johnny Cash sang it. And Aretha Franklin sang it. And Rod Stewart sang it. And Randy Travis sang it. And Whitney Houston sang it. And Leanne Rimes sang it. And Destiny's Child sang it. And Mumford and Sons sang it. This song, folks, more than any other song, crosses the chasm of every kind. And it has survived for generation after generation after generation. It starts out with a line at the very beginning by your number one, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a what? What are you talking to me like that? Saved a what? A wretch. A wretch. Now, the word wretch is not a word that we use very much in our vocabulary today. um, But that word actually means a rascal. A scoundrel, a no good for nothing, blankety blank, blank, blank. I'll let you fill in the blanks, okay? Now, when was the last time there was a top ten song on the Billboard top songs that had the word wretch in it? Never. Like it's never been there before. I don't know if it ever will be. But... This is undoubtedly the most appreciated song in the world. So, who wrote this song? Well, you can tell that it was John Newton, and he was a ship captain who actually for many years made his living by transporting slaves from Africa to England. John Newton is not Isaac Newton, the gravity guy, okay? It's not Cam Newton, the football guy, okay? This is John Newton, the one who wrote this song, Amazing Grace. And he was trying to make a living, and the only way that he knew how to do it was to use the profession of captaining a ship. And so he did it by captaining a slave ship. And without thinking about it, he just said, okay, it's a ship, I'll just do it. And then one day, he's on his ship, and he's going across the ocean, when all of a sudden, he is bombarded by grace. Grace just like goes right into him. And the path of his life, the trajectory of his life, changed forever. And later... When he wrote this song, he thought about it 
And out of the hundreds of adjectives that he could use to describe himself, the only one that he really felt described himself the most was the word wretch. Now, do you think maybe he's like being a little bit tough on himself? You ever notice like people on Facebook, they're a little bit tough on themselves every once in a while? For instance, just think if you had a profile of these two guys... And it said, we are the wretch they wrote the song about. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, yikes. If you're single and you're a female and you're looking at them, you're like, no way. Right? Like, no way. No way at all. Folks, I have a feeling that none of us here ever describe ourselves as a wretch. We see wretches on the evening news, right? Wretches are the rapists. And the murderers and the killers, they're the terrorists, the child molesters. Those are the wretches. But we never think of ourselves as a wretch. And yet this is John Newton. He's on a ship. He's going across and all of a sudden he understands that compared to the brilliant splendor, perfection, the absolute sovereignty, the mercy and the love and the grace, the absolute spotless total righteousness of an almighty God and good in every single way, the more that he compared himself to that God, he said, compared to him, I'm a wretch. Because if God is perfect, then Newton said, I'm a wretch. Now, he wasn't beating himself up. He wasn't being too hard on himself. He was just measuring himself compared to who God is for the first time in his life. And when he took that comparison between himself and God, it like blew his mind. It knocked him off of his self-righteous pedestal. And finally, he saw himself for who he really was. And that's the power that happens, folks, when you measure yourself. kind of reminds me of a time in which I measured myself. I was measuring myself on my tennis playing ability. I'd never played tennis before. But when you get to college, you have some blow-off classes uh, where you have to do some kind of sport. And I was like, tennis, I got that, you know. So I started playing tennis, and I was good. I mean, I'm not bragging, but I, like, crushed everybody else in the class. I mean, I crushed them. Now, some of you right now are like, well, how many people were in the class? Like two, you know? (laughs) No, there were 20 people, and we had this round-robin tournament at the end for the class. I mean, I killed him. In fact, there was a high school tennis star that came up to me during this time. He's like, dude, you're really good. You know, you should maybe think about not going to college anymore and start pro play, you know? And I thought about it, you know? Like, I really did. Well, that summer, I played tennis as much as I could, and there was a guy by the name of Bob who went to our church who was 55 years old, and he knew I was interested in uh, tennis, and so he came up to me, and he said, uh, hey, I heard that you're taking this class, and if you'd ever like to go out and hit the bar or play a few sets, uh, I'd love to do that. And I was like, oh, okay. And he said, I just want you to know I'm a B-class player, um, but I'd love to go out and hit with you any time. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking... B class? 
Like, seriously, B class? I mean, I was at least an A class, if not semi-pro, you know? I mean, I was a stud. And so then I started thinking, too, I don't want to beat down this old man. I mean, I was 21 years old. He's 55. I don't want to be out there hitting a tennis ball back and forth, and he gets a pulled hamstring, or, you know, he has a heart attack, and he, like, dies or something. And I mean like a B-level player. Seriously. So one Sunday, he said, hey, this afternoon, you doing anything? I'm like, no, I'm not doing anything. He said, well, why don't we go out and play tennis? I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to hurt you. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And uh, I, was, I got in the car and I remember I looked down and I didn't have like a water bottle. I'm like, I'm not going to need water. You know what I mean? Like this guy, I'm not going to get dehydrated at all with this dude. And uh, he's not even going to make me sweat. Now, you can smell where this is going, right, right now? Some of you are having a little bit too much fun laughing right now, okay? I'm an athlete. You just don't know that. So we get there, and we hit around a little bit. And, you know, I'm doing my little backhand, forehand, you know, to the net and everything. He's like, hey, you ready to play? I'm like, yeah. And that chubby old man beat me 6-0, 6-0 in 25 minutes. <laughs> Folks, I didn't, I, I didn't score like a game. I didn't even score a point. Like my ball never went over the net. I mean, he was hitting it so hard with these spins going everywhere. And all of a sudden we're done. And he's walking off. He's like, well, I got somewhere else to go. Sure was uh, fun playing with you. I'm like, I bet it was fun, you know? (laughs) So he gets in his car and he takes off and I get in my car and I'm driving away and I'm really hoping that I had that water bottle at that time, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, how deceived a human being can be. I mean, 30 minutes prior to that, folks, I was going to think about quitting school and go totally into tennis. But I had never measured my tennis playing ability to somebody else. And once I did, I realized that I had grossly overrated myself. And it was a huge wake-up call. I was not a world-class tennis player, but using John Newton's word, I was like a wretched class tennis player. Amazing grace, Newton writes, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. John Newton didn't just wake up one day and realize that his profession of driving a ship slave was immoral. But he actually got this book out, and as he read it more and he read about who God was, and he read these scriptures carefully, He said, compared to an almighty, holy, loving, kind, gracious God, compared to that, folks, I'm a wretch. And then he starts thinking about it. That God is always, only, ever loving and kind and gracious. And I'm not. I'm mean. And sometimes I'm even hateful. 
God always speaks the truth, no matter what. John Newton said, I lie all the time. I lie about tons of stuff. God is totally colorblind. He sees no color. He only sees love for his creations. John Newton said, I'm prejudiced. Look at the profession that I've had. And on and on and on these comparisons go. And Newton realizes, compared to the perfection of God, he's a wretch. This Easter, I just simply want to ask you three questions for you to think about and consider. They're big questions, and the first one is this. Have you ever measured yourself against the absolute perfection of a holy God? Have you ever really done that before? Have you ever measured yourself to a holy God? It's a humbling experience, folks. For pride-filled people, it's agonizing. For self-righteous people, it can be terrifying. But once you do it, once you compare yourself, it's almost kind of liberating. It's almost like there's this freedom that comes out of you. In your inner person. It's kind of like this. If, if you've ever lied to somebody before, and I won't ask if you've ever lied because somebody won't raise their hand, they don't have to call them a liar, right? Because everybody's lied to somebody. But it's kind of like this. It's kind of like you've lied to someone, and you know it, and all of a sudden, you just start like getting these butterflies in your stomach, and everything starts kind of turning, and during the day, you don't feel that great, and you're tossing and turning at night, and then finally, you're like, I've had enough. I've got to tell them the truth. And so you go to the person as much as you can, and you just say, hey, I'm sorry, but that thing about what I said or did or whatever, I lied to you, and I'm so sorry, but I lied to you, but it's been eating me alive, and I've got to tell you. And if you've ever done that before, isn't it a strange feeling that you actually feel relieved by it? Like it's almost like there's this relief that comes out of you for saying it. You're certainly not proud of yourself at that moment, but honesty, folks, beats deception every single day. And you can finally kind of exhale and be like, ah, I came clean. You screwed up, but you feel this freedom because you came clean. It's the same feeling, folks, when you finally get to the point that you come clean with God. When you leave your fantasy world of self-righteousness and you call yourself exactly who you are in comparison to a holy, perfect always loving God. And the first time you say it, the words that come out of your mouth are just like, by comparison to who the loving, perfect, almighty, absolute, kind God, I'm a wretch. And what's so weird about it is like when you actually do it for the first time and you, you get it, it's like you feel a relief. You actually feel relieved. And better yet, 
This is what's even better. You actually open yourself up to the greatest gift that the universe has ever known. And it's the gift of grace. And it's amazing. It's amazing. And this leads us to our second big question that I want to pose to you this morning. And it's this. Have you ever experienced grace in all its beauty? Have you ever experienced grace in all its beauty? Now, in this song, John Newton says that at one time in his life, he was blind. Like he couldn't see. He couldn't see grace. Look at what it says in the end of the verse. It says, was blind, on that first verse, was blind, but now I see. So in the second stanza, the last six words, was blind, but now I see. And what I'd like you to do is underline that phrase, was blind. You can just underline it. Was blind. How many of you can relate to the fact that at one time you had been blind to grace? I know I certainly can. I grew up in a Christian home. I was a PK, a pastor's kid. We went to church more times than like anybody. You know, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday again, Sunday one more time, you know? It's like, seriously, Dad, give me a break. And I went to church all the time, and I got baptized, and went to a Christian college, and even became a pastor, folks, but I had no idea about the concept of grace. Millions of people today are blind like I was to grace. And maybe there are dozens of you who are here today, maybe a hundred even, that you're blind to grace. So if you give me your best attention for just these next five minutes, with God's help, I'm going to try to explain to you the best way I know how to explain to you this concept of grace so that you can understand it And maybe today some of you would even experience it. Because when John Newton saw grace for the first time, he gasped. When I saw grace for the very first time in my life, I was 24 years old. And I was at this retreat center. And all of a sudden, I almost literally passed out. It was so overwhelming to me. Now, I hope nobody passes out today, okay? We're not not that, but... I hope you get it. Okay. We're going to put a form up here. Anybody know what that form is? Oh. He's not an accountant, by the way. Uh, But the IRS, whoever said it, we know they, you know. Anybody know uh, what this is? It's your 1040 tax form, right? Now, just in case you were wondering, folks, you have 10 days, okay? And uh, that's it. So you kind of like got to kind of get it together at that point. Well, let's just say this, that you prepare your tax forms, you sign all the sheets, you write a check, or if you do it online, you get it all done and you either physically take the envelope out into the mail or you push send and it goes out. And as it's going out, you're thinking to yourself, no one's ever going to know. No one's ever going to know. 
But six months later, you get audited. And it all, everything, comes out. The trial goes quickly. The verdict is guilty. The sentence is three years. The judge says, serve every single day of it. And if you do that, you will finally pay your debt to society. Now, what I just described to you folks was a word called justice. And justice says this, getting precisely what you deserve. Getting precisely what you deserve. Okay, hold on to that thought for a second. Getting precisely what you deserve. Same scenario, round two. Tax fraud, same audit, same conviction, same sentence, three years. But for some reason, the judge says to you, hey, you know what? You can just spend the first two years in prison, and then the last year we're going to give you a GPS ankle bracelet, and you can stay with your family. Now, this is called mercy. And this is what mercy says. Mercy is getting less than you deserve. Okay? Justice, you get precisely what you deserve. Mercy is actually getting less than what you deserve. Okay, hold that thought. Here's scenario three. Tax fraud, same crime, same audit, same verdict, same sentence, three years. This time, though, after the judge gives his decision, you notice that he walks behind you all the way across the street to the county jail. He goes through all the processing that you go through. He, they take you up to the cell. You're getting ready to walk into the cell. And just as you're getting ready to walk into the cell, he stops and he goes, I just want you to know, you mean the world to me. Like you mean the world to me. But I've made a vow to keep the law. And because I've made this vow... There's got to be a sentence. And you look at him, you're like, oh, okay. And you just get ready to stop in to go into the cell. And he grabs you by the arm and he pulls you back. And he goes inside the cell and he closes the door behind him. And from outside the cell, he says, I'm going to take your sentence for you. Because... You mean the world to me. And you are free. And in that moment, for the very first time, folks, what you experience are the scales coming off and you experience grace. And this is what grace says. Grace is receiving a gift you don't deserve. It's receiving a gift you don't deserve. And you're there, and all of a sudden you, like, try to wake yourself up. Like, what just happened? Like, what's going on? And he says, I think the world of you. I'd do anything for you. And so take these next three years and do something good with your life. Do something that I'd be proud of. But you go on. You're free. And so you start thinking to yourself like, hold on. (laughs) 
okay, he's a judge. Uh, I'm not. And there's got to be some catch. There, there's got to be some fine line. This is just too good to be true. And he's like, no, you're free. You're free. And the guards say, yeah, you're free. Go. And, and you walk outside for the very first time. And it's like this bright light shines onto you. And it's like amazing. You're like, it, it's just so amazing. Folks, have you ever experienced the beauty of grace? Was there a time in your life when you were blind to it, you couldn't see, the scales were on your eyes, and you saw Jesus just taking your place, pulling off that, and he took the punishment upon himself. But it wasn't a punishment for three years, folks. It was an eternal punishment that he took on a blood-stained cross on a hill outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And why did he do it? Like, it's such a stupid thing. Why would anybody do that? Because he thinks the world of you. He absolutely thinks the world of you. He loves you that much. Now, maybe you're starting to see it today as I'm talking. But you're still thinking to yourself, man, that's too good to be true. Just too good to be true. And... There's got to be some fine print. There's, there's got to be a catch to this, right? Folks, <laughs> that's why when he wrote his song, he called it amazing. Because it's an amazing grace. You know, I've uh, taught this message of grace for 10 years uh, here at the JAR. And sometimes it'll take several years for people to actually get it. In fact, there's a, a guy here who has been coming to the jar since we actually met upstairs where the kids meet. There were just 20 people or so. And this past summer, he came up to me. He's like, dude, I got it. I got it. And this is what I started thinking. How bad of a teacher am I? <laughs> like it took him 10 years. Like how bad of a teacher am I? But folks, when he got it, and then in August, I had the chance to baptize him, and I saw his face. He had the freedom that came because when he measured himself against an almighty God, he said, I'm a wretch, but I'll take the gift. One more concept. It's in uh, verse 3. The top bar, it says, when we've been there, when we've been there, if you would, I'd like you to just uh, underline that word there. If you would, just underline that word there. Isn't it interesting that John Newton doesn't even have to describe what there is because people already know what it is? It's heaven. It's heaven. Now, the Bible teaches that the same power that brought Jesus back to life 2,000 years ago on that very first Easter Sunday, that same power will resurrect us who believe in Him. Scripture teaches that because Jesus defeated the power of death, 
that his resurrection, folks, is the prototype for every person who would ever choose to follow him. That when you breathe your last breath here on earth because of what Christ has done, immediately you get there. And in the Bible, heaven is portrayed as this environment of deep, joyful community. No one ever talking about anyone, putting people down, rejecting you, stabbing you in the back. It's endless beauty, eternal replenishment, not from anything that you do, but from the one who created you. So here's my third and final question. Are you totally sure about there? Are you totally sure about winding up there? Now, it sounds kind of arrogant, doesn't it? Sounds kind of presumptuous that, that anyone would say that they're sure about going to heaven. And I would wholeheartedly agree with that statement if it depended upon you and me to get ourselves there. I mean, if, if getting into heaven was that I had to fly straight enough, or I had to live righteously enough, or I had to behave morally enough, I don't have a chance. I told you earlier at the very beginning, Chris Bunch is a wretch. He's a wretch. I will never meet the perfect standards of God. Ever. But what's the definition of grace again? Receiving a wonderful gift that you don't deserve. So fasten your seatbelts because I'm going to give you the one scripture verse today. And this is what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This does not come from who? You. Let me read it again. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This does not come from you. It is the gift of God. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't clean your act up enough to get it. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This does not come from you. It is the gift of God, not of works. You can't work your way there. Then nobody can boast. Because if you realize that you're a wretch compared to the holiness of an almighty God, and you know you can't fix it, and if you know the definition of grace, receiving a wonderful gift you don't deserve, and you've actually received it, you said, I'll take the free gift then he makes heaven available to you folks as a gift. And when you sing Amazing Grace then, and you hear somebody sing it for the first time maybe, it stirs you, it moves you. I've been at a Colts football game before where they're starting to sing Amazing Grace. There's like all these people on my row, and I'm in in tears because it's grace. Now, I want you to go back to that word wretch. Remember the big question that I gave to you uh, this morning. The very first one was, have you ever measured yourself against the absolute perfection of a holy God? Now, I'm not asking you to compare yourself to your co-workers. I'm not asking you to compare yourself to the evil people on the evening news. I'm asking you to measure yourself against a perfect God. If you have in the past or today, it's the first time. 
And if you want to call yourself what John Newton called himself and what I call myself, when I measure myself to that, I write my name right by that uh, little margin area, a wretch like me. I have Chris, my first name right there. I just wrote it down. Chris, and so if you would, if that's your condition in comparison to an absolute loving, holy God, then just write your name. Now, don't write somebody else's name, okay? Like, don't write your wife's name, you know? Like, my wife is a wretch. Don't write your husband's name, you know? Don't, like, my husband's a wretch. Some of you have bosses that you know they're wretches, right? Don't write their name. This is about you and this absolute loving God. In comparison to that, this is your life. And frankly, if you go today, and it's fine, if you say, hey, you know what? I've measured myself against that absolute powerful God, and I'm not a wretch. Don't write your name there. You don't have to do it. It's fine. But for the rest of us, if you've measured yourself just like John Newton did, then in the margin, just put your first name right there, Chris, or whatever your name is. Don't put my name down there either, okay? (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Okay, go to the last uh, six verses of that first, or the last six words of the first verse. Was blind, but now I see. Was blind, but now I see. Have you ever experienced, remember the question, have you ever experienced the beauty of grace? Have you ever experienced grace in all its beauty? Remember the judge who allowed himself to go into the prison cell in your place? He served your sentence. He set you free. That's what grace is. Remember Jesus Christ taking his place upon a cross, a blood-stained cross. And why did he do that? Because he said, you mean the world to me. You mean the world to me. If you were the only person on planet Earth during that time, I would have died just for the person that's sitting in your seat. That's how much he loves you. Folks, do you see grace? Do you see it? Have you seized it? Have you said, you know what, I'm ready for the the scales to finally come off? And so if you are, right there beside was blind, but now I see that you would put a date. A date of when that happened. For me, it was October of 1996. I was 24 years old, and I could take you to the exact place in Epworth Forest in northern Indiana at a camp, at the exact place where the, wood, where the uh, cement floor was, where for the first time in my life, <laughs> I knew what grace was. And I thought there was some stuff that had happened to me in my college days that there was no way that there was a God who could forgive me that but he does now some of you you might know the exact date that you could put right there uh, some of you maybe you know the era maybe it's the summer of you know 2005 or the summer of uh, you know 2010 or uh, you know winter of 2014 but I was thinking that for some of you maybe you've come to church a lot but It's the first time that you really understood what this whole grace thing was about. And it became clear today. And that what you could put right beside that is Easter 2015. 
that you could just write it out right where you're at, that you could just write Easter 2015. You were once blind to it, but now you see. Now you're seized by it and you, and you realize that you need it. Because this is the thing, folks. Wretches need grace. There's one last line to deal with and then we're done. In the third verse, the first line, it says, when we've been there. Remember we had you underline that word there. And here's the question. Are you totally sure about there? Like if you left today, are you totally sure about there? Like winding up in heaven. Remember we agreed that that no one could ever get there on their own. They couldn't do it by themselves. It's not something that you can earn. We learned that it's a gift. It's a free gift. And it goes to people who simply humbly say, you know, when I think of all my choices that I have in life, I'm choosing to put my trust in Christ. So maybe right there where it says, when we've been there, you could just write in these two words, a gift. Because that's what heaven is, folks. It's a gift to you. Now, of course, you know, if, you're, if you don't want to do that, and some of you have been like, I'm not doing this stupid thing anyways. You haven't filled anything out. Okay. Well, then your choice is, I guess you're going to earn it. You're going to work really, really hard and do a lot of good things. And at the end of the day, you hope that that's good enough to be with an almighty, absolute, loving, all-conditional, uh, kind, righteous, truth-telling God. Okay. Is everybody done with their little project? Good? Okay. Well, now we're going to actually sing this song. And it's Easter and you're here. You might as well sing it the best you've ever sang, Amazing Grace. Okay? So let's stand and we're going to sing this together.
Because this is your amazing grace. This is just a symbol of God's grace just for you. And um, I was thinking about it that for some of you who are here today, this is simply a reaffirmation of your faith in just a couple of words. One, rejoice in it. That His grace comes to you every single day day, tons of it, pouring out to let you know that you're loved and cared for, that he thinks about you all the time. And then don't just keep it to yourself, but go give it to other people. Be the most gracious person in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family. Give people second and third and fifth and tenth and thousand choices or chances because you've been given those chances yourself. And then I was thinking, too, that there's some of you who are here that maybe you put 2015, Easter 2015. It's like the scales came off, but today is the first time that you've ever really understood and experienced, and and I get it now. And so if that's you, and I'm not doing this for any other reason except for the fact that God would get the glory, could you just lift up? your song sheet just lift your song sheet up um what a gift let's let's clap for these people um, just hold it up don't be embarrassed by it and for you we have a free gift we'd like to give to you it's, it's actually a bible and maybe you have a bible but it's dusty or you don't know the words and You're just kind of like, whatever, leave that Bible where it's at. But come up here and we'd love to give you a Bible and a free gift uh, that is a reading plan where you can get some encouragement and guidance in the days and weeks ahead. And if today is the first day that you really like said, you know what, Easter 2015, this is when I really get it. I'd like us just to say a prayer. You don't have to say the prayer out loud. But I'm going to lead us through a prayer and you can just say it quietly to yourself. You can just repeat these words. Maybe they're the exact words. Maybe they're different. But just silently to yourself you can pray. God, I come to you today understanding that I am a wretch compared to you. I know that you have died for my sins even though I didn't deserve it. You showed me the free gift of grace, and I accept it today. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you leave, come up and give your gift. Uh, I'll be up here, and uh, I'd love to uh, give you a Bible. There's some other people. We'll say way to go, and uh, we'll just show some love. And happy Easter, everybody. Have a great Easter.